0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Crowdcrox crowdfunding podcast, and right now you're actually listening to a new segment, which is an offshoot from our traditional crowdfunding podcast. And this segment, it's officially called the Nonprofit and Charity Fundraising Podcast. And what that means is, rather than just focusing on technology products that are raising money on Kickstarter... Um, gaming products, tabletop gaming products that are raising money on Indiegogo. This podcast is really going to hone in on nonprofits and personal fundraising campaigns and charity campaigns that are raising money on some of these websites like GoFundMe, Indiegogo, Life, uh, Deposit a Gift, Fundly, and on the peer-to-peer fundraising side, Classy, CrowdRise, CauseVox all of these different sites out there that you can use to fundraise for an initiative or for a personal cause or for something, another nonprofit project altogether. So that's what this segment of our podcast is uh, going to focus on. And again, it is the Nonprofit Fundraising and Charity Podcast. And uh, today we have an interesting interview with a guest who has raised um, a bunch of money on CauseVox. And it might seem deceptively easy to some people to raise money online, uh, particularly for a nonprofit initiative. But we're going to dispel some of those rumors today and also give you a little bit more of a realistic view of what it takes to raise money for a charity or a nonprofit initiative. So stay tuned. Love to hear any feedback from you guys. And take a second to rate this show in iTunes. Next podcast interview is coming up right now. Today I have the privilege of speaking with Sarah Kaufman Fink who is a board member at multiplemyeloma.org that's m m o r e.org and her organization is currently running a uh, online fundraising campaign called Let's End Myeloma and they're using CauseVox for as the the fundraising platform so far they've managed to raise $86,000 from supporters both online and part of their, their non-profit's donor community. And we're going to learn about their experience using CauseVox and also just uh, the, how this initiative has started. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on this podcast, Sarah. Sure. Glad to be here. Great. And you have a very also really heartfelt um, story that's connected to this nonprofit. Maybe you could share a little bit about how this came to be and uh, how you started to become involved in in the organization.
1: Sure. So uh, the organization is Multiple Myeloma Opportunities for Research and Education, More, and it was started in 2008 by my parents after I was diagnosed with uh, a cancer of the bone marrow called multiple myeloma. It's a rare cancer and it's related to lymphomas and leukemias in the same kind of blood cancer family. Um, it, there's no cure for this disease and when I was diagnosed in 2005, there were very few treatment options. So, uh, you know, I was 22 years old and my parents uh, took care of me during my treatments and when uh, I was through a bone marrow transplant and chemotherapy, etc. cetera, uh, and in remission, my parents uh, wanted to do something to uh, help advance uh, research and hopefully find a cure for this disease. So they created more and uh, started fundraising. And in since 2008, so in the last six and a half years, they have uh, been able to donate over two and a half million dollars to multiple myeloma research. So I'm very proud of them for that. Um, I, I wow. didn't get involved in more until about 2010, um, personally, and since then I've become a board member and become very active in uh, event planning and um, some of our more recent endeavors like this crowdfunding campaign.
0: Well, first of all, th- that's really incredible that you know your parents have been able to make that big of an impact, and also just uh, you know it- it's great to hear that you responded well to to your treatment during that time. Um, And I know that um, even though the the, the therapies are improving in that area, it's still really important to bring awareness to the cause Um, for other people that might be afflicted in some way.
1: Definitely yes. Thank you very much, and I'm thrilled that we have more treatment options now than we did when I was diagnosed in 2005. But uh, there still is no cure for the disease, and the average lifespan is still only six to ten years from diagnosis. So um, there is a lot of work to do, and I am, of course, very personally um, passionate and motivated to help help us get there.
0: I think that also, you know, just from browsing your website. The, the organization is not just making uh, an impact in terms of monetary ter- uh, terms, but you also, when I mean, you guys have support groups, you have resources, you have different uh, story elements to your page so that people that is, you know, are going through this rough time period can connect with other people, can get fundraising ideas. And one of the other things I also love is this fundraising support page that you've linked to um, with your CauseVox, CauseVox campaign, just sharing how other people can get involved as well. If they don't know how to do a press release or craft fundraising letters, it, your organization helps with all of that.
1: Yes, and one thing that we um, really hammered out in the beginning of creating this campaign was the average multiple myeloma patient is about 65 to 70 years old. And traditionally, the older populations are less. Uh, computer savvy are less comfortable using things like online donations and setting up online fundraising pages and things like that so we wanted to make sure we had as many resources and tools available to them as possible so that both patients and their families and other um, community members who felt uh, you know felt tied to this cause would feel comfortable doing this uh, because for many of them it would be for the very first time
0: and it's also, if, if it's my understanding, your very first time doing an online fundraising campaign. Also, you know, I, I think this whole new medium of online giving and being okay with you know broadcasting the causes that you care about via, you know whether it's your own Twitter page or your own Facebook, it's really gaining a lot of traction. Um, and I, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about why you guys decided to use the CauseVox platform. I know there are a few other online fundraising pages out there or uh, hosting it on your own site, that's that's another uh, option, what drew you guys to to CauseVox in the beginning?
1: Sure. Um, a couple of things, and we did do our due diligence and researched um, quite a few of the platforms available and we looked into doing it on our own site. And the way our, our website is set up, it would have actually been a really um, time intensive and financially draining process to set up. What, something that we wanted uh, was to set up a, a- causevox like site on our on our more page um, would was not really going to be beneficial for us. And one of the reasons we liked CauseVox was um, we we did a big price comparison. Where we have a really low overhead as an organization. We're almost 100 percent. We're very close to 100 percent volunteer run. Not quite, but very close. And uh, so we really work to maximize the donation dollars that come in and send as many of those towards uh, towards the research as possible. So in in doing that, we were you know we're very try to be very strong stewards of the funds that come in, and we really wanted to minimize our overhead. So CauseVox um, fees were either comparable or slightly lower than many of the other websites that we looked at. And we liked the way that their page was set up, both on the front end. It was very, um, we thought, very visually appealing and easy for the user to understand what to do. And on the back end, it's very easy for us to go in and add offline donations or, um, you know, find, information we want, track data. So that seemed easy to us. Um, One of the big things that drew me to Causebox's website, since I have never done anything like this at all before, was um, Causebox has a lot of really great uh, tutorials and blog posts just on their website. So whether we had used them or not, we could have accessed these resources but they give you a lot of tools on uh ideas and advice for how to run a successful campaign and i really appreciated those tools i found that as we went through the process i kept referring back to some of them uh, for ideas on how to craft our messaging and how to tell the story through this and um you know how to how to create a video that would tell the story we wanted things like that and i felt like well if i keep using them as a resource i might try them as a as a fundraising source. The last thing I really liked about them was that um, because this was our first adventure, we did not know how successful we would be. With uh, When using CauseBox, you don't have to pay anything uh, to the site. You have to pay credit card fees through the, the credit card processing, but we didn't have to pay any site fees until you've raised $5,000 online. And since we didn't know being our first ch- uh, try, if we would get there, that was um that was a, a good a good thing for me.
0: And also I think even though that you do are doing the campaign uh through a third party, you know, make taking care of all of that functionality, um it really is uh your own mini site, you know, using endmyeloma.org, the domain name, and really adding some flair with your own video, which I thought was really uh well done. It has a lot of great motion graphics. And just as I browse through your campaign page Seeing the the different comments and uh, you know clicking through as well to the website to learn more about the cause, it didn't feel like I was on someone else's website as much. Definitely. Um, I, I'd love to also you know explore your your thought process here. Um, you guys are an established nonprofit. You already have a, a donor base. You're clearly serving that donor base uh, very well. And uh, once you st- launched this CauseVox campaign. I imagine there was a lot of uh, education marketing that you had to do to this existing donor base. And also, uh, maybe you have also uh, gathered pledges from around the, the Internet, people who might have not have heard of your organization before. Could you talk a little bit about the that preparation that went into the campaign and your experience?
1: Sure. So as I said earlier, this was the first time that organization and the first time that I had done any sort of um, crowdfunding or or massive online campaign. Most of our funding as an organization comes from in-person events uh, or from just uh, like a family might donate in honor of somebody through our website. We do have a web portal for that, but we we haven't ever done a a strictly online fundraising campaign before. Um, So, We were, we knew we were going to need to do a lot of, um, education. And we weren't sure how this was going to go. Again, our population tends to be a bit older. We weren't sure how computer savvy they were. But as an organization with established in-person events and established donor base, like you said, um, we looked at this as a potential way that we could grow as an organization. And through uh, outreach on the internet, using tools like Facebook and Twitter and other social media sites, for example, Um, you know, if people are searching for something about multiple myeloma, and they hear about about this campaign, and read about the research that we're funding, this might be a way to bring them into our organization, uh, even if they don't live near a local event that we might host. So this was a way that we were looking to expand our network, Um, and, uh, you know, again, this was a first try, and we learned a lot through the process. Uh, Well, I certainly
0: think you are also getting the word out there. I mean, even I discovered uh, more about you guys just from this campaign. So I do think Wonderful. people are uh, learning your mission and story more. And uh, for those of us listening that, that haven't checked out the campaign page yet, it's for a promising new therapy um, that the, the organization is looking to bring to the clinic. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that um, CS1-CAR therapy. Um, but it's, Yes. Yeah, maybe I'm not an expert on that topic, so I think it'd be sure. so it would be better for you to explain. So with
1: this campaign um- – the reason that we did this campaign at this time, there were a couple of things. One, uh, we ran the campaign through March, and actually, you know, it's now April 2nd, and we're extending the campaign We decided to extend the campaign to April 15th because we've had a couple opportunities for some promotion uh, at the end of March, so we wanted to extend it a little bit further. But we did it during the month of March because March is National Multiple Myeloma Awareness Month, so we wanted to kind of recognize that and use that as a time frame for us and for this campaign. But more importantly. Uh, one of the researchers that we work with with, through the organization had um, come to us with this this research. It's called CS1 CAR. And um, this is a specific research project that that is being conducted in the lab and very promising. It's a completely new kind of treatment. Um, And it's called uh, Modify as Part of Your Immune System. So it would take a person's own immune cells out of their body Modify the cells, genetically modify them so that they would attack the the multiple myeloma cancer cells and then give your immune cells back to you. Um, so they would be kind of like super fighters in your body and would be able to target the cancer cells and directly uh, kill them uh, without harming other cells in your body so unlike chemo and radiation which have um, significant side effects in your body this would be very targeted very personalized medicine and ideally a long lasting treatment so um, very promising it's in early stages there have been promising results but they use it in other cancers. Um, acute lymphocytic leukemia (ALL) uh, had used this research first, and that was about two or three years ago, out of University of Pennsylvania, with very promising initial results. So this is this type of research is now being brought to many types of cancers across the board, and in, in this researcher that uh, spoke with us is helping to bring it to multiple myeloma. Um, I think the, also
0: I was just going to say really quickly: um, we're living in a society where. You know, people might want to support myeloma or get more involved, but just the scientific research and the new studies, the new trials that are coming out, it's such a, uh, you know, it's a dizzying amount of information. And for someone who's so who,
1: complicated. Yeah. It's so complicated. It's very confusing, and it all talks in gobbledygook and uh, and and frequently over everyone's head, um, which I'm glad the researchers know more than I do. But it is very confusing. So you know, having a way for patients and their their support system, um, the people that are directly affected by buy new treatments, having the option for them to become specifically involved in helping to advance research that will hopefully help them has been, um, I think, very motivating and very hopeful. And we wanted to be able to try this, bringing a direct, uh, a direct link between your dollars and advancing a specific research. That if we're able to fund, uh, you know, fund to our goal, we would help bridge, uh, bridge the gap in funding and help uh, bring this research to patients faster. And that was our goal.
0: I think that you guys also, you know, multiple myeloma opportunities as an organization is also performing the sort of curation uh, role, where we might not know which uh, therapies to look out for, which research papers to read, but you're really bringing this one to light as being something that's promising. Uh, so it can also focus all of that energy and uh, really help to. Uh, not just financially, you know, move that initiative forward, but also just people that are suffering, they have something, they know what to look for in the future, and to—and uh, I think that makes all the difference if someone's afflicted with something, so. Definitely. The the other, I really love how uh, your page, it shows all of these different people who have raised money in support of this initiative. So unlike, you know, a GoFundMe campaign or uh, another kind of online fundraising campaign, just you know, from a, a very large nonprofit that's raising all of this money, it shows how all of these people have contributed to the campaign, and uh, the different people that have contributed to the fundraiser. Could you tell Definitely. us? Uh, yeah, I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about that as well. If any of these people are, um, you know, they're also, I imagine, volunteers. If they're board members, are these people, you know, just strangers that have engaged with your nonprofit?
1: I would say all of the above. Um, And for me, this was something that I didn't quite recognize the value of until we got the campaign started. But having the ability, and not all um, crowdfunding sites allow this, but having the ability for people to create their own fundraising page, which has a unique URL, and they design their page, and they write why they're participating in this cause, and able to kind of write their personal story, add a photo, and then send their personal link to their network and say, please help me raise, you know, they can set their own fundraising fundraising goal. So please help me reach my, my fundraising goal in support of this campaign. That has been huge for us. Um, we, we have gotten donations just to the page, but so many of our donations have come in through these fundraisers. And, um, and I think that for anyone who visits our page at nmyeloma.org, you know, being able to click through the fundraisers sites and read, you know, what is motivating these people to participate and to promote this campaign is very touching. Um, you know, everybody has a personal connection, whether it's um, their parent has this disease or... Um, they are a patient or, you know, they've become involved because of somebody they love in some way, a friend or a close family member. So uh, it's very, um, it's very impassioned. It's very motivating um, as a as a potential donor. You know, if somebody hands me this link and I go visit the site to be able to click through, even people I don't know and read why that they why they feel this is important, not just the people who created the site, but why these other individuals are putting their name and their time behind it is really um, exciting. And uh, so much of our donations have come through that. So I think that that has been really key for us.
0: Wow. Just, just hearing about that is, you know, putting a smile on my face. That's, that's really inspiring. Um, yeah, I, th- I think also just to, you know, the sort of um, maybe a generation ago or even, you know, five to ten years ago, The way of going about fundraising is, you know, a very established nonprofit, uh, you know, creating a page or trying to do outreach to to a community and telling them the value of, you know, whatever this causes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that we've seen that with Facebook and the Twitter, personal recommendations are just uh it, it's so much more it's taken um I guess with so many different, you know, sponsored posts in our newsfeed, with so many people um trying to extract value, to see that your friend is supporting something, you're so much more likely to check out that organization. And uh also the, the ice bucket challenge, I think that's a really good example of that. But just seeing that you guys have, you know, helped also uh provide Twitter messages, sample tweets, uh sample Facebook posts, um I think that makes it even easier as well. For some of these supporters to, to reach out to their network, and then for people in their network to see they care about this uh, nonprofit organization, is definitely worth checking out and spending more time to learn about what it is you guys are doing.
1: Definitely. Definitely.
0: Um and I think we're we're moving more towards that also, just as a society that we're getting so we're being inbounded by so many different messages. you know i can 't tell you looking in my email inbox, the number of emails and newsletters I get from nonprofit organizations, from businesses, from startups, from all of these different organizations, but the ones that stand out are the ones that people forward me information. And tell me they're participating in this, or I should, you know, take a look at this, and that's how I'm filtering all of this information that I should check out as well.
1: Definitely, and I think, you know, for any, um, I think. A couple key things that I've learned for, through doing this is that, you know, anytime you're you know, I have a I have a page up on our site. And for me, for my personal fundraising, I uh, posted a lot of the, the um, sample posts on Facebook to my my community. But I also every time I receive a donation, I post a Facebook thank you. Uh, to that person calling them out as a, a shout out to thank them for their donation and I relink to the site and every time I've done that I've gotten another donation and so that has really driven my fundraising for for this page and the other thing that I have found through this that's been really eye-opening for me is that I think and I'm curious actually what you think is that I found that the term crowdfunding is a huge turn off For people over a certain age, and maybe this is stereotyping, excuse me, stereotyping, but in my experience, that's been the case. Um, And and it's uh, people don't understand it. It seems to be something that they're unfamiliar with and and therefore kind of um, probably too difficult. Uh, And so in... In our messaging, we, in the beginning of the month, we started using crowdfunding, and we quickly changed to say, help us with this online fundraising campaign, and, um, and then kind of tried to use the terms interchangeably, because so many people have um, participated in a, a run walk or, you know, have donated to somebody who's done an, an athletic event like that, who has created an online fundraising page for that specific event, and there's really no difference between that and crowdfunding. It's just online fundraising. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the term crowdfunding seemed to be a big turnoff for people, seemed to be kind of um, something that that people weren't really sure what that was, and it was probably too hard for them. So for our our conversation, kind of helping to try to educate just what that is was a big deal.
0: It might uh, surprise people who are listening to this podcast, but I do agree with you in this uh, regard, that although people in the industry like myself, or if you're looking to create you know, a successful crowdfunding campaign understands what the terminology is and the different types, whether that's peer-to-peer fundraising or, you know, a very simple nonprofit crowdfunding page, um, peer-to-peer lending. We understand these terms, but when you're bringing that to an audience or a donor base, you have to use terms that they're comfortable with. And you're going to be having to do so much education marketing regardless that having to educate what crowdfunding is as well I think it's is a little bit uh, stretching it. So if you find that your audience, I think, um, you know, responds better to uh, online fundraising or online giving, then it's best to use those terms in, in your marketing. Um, but on that note as well, I, you know, I noticed the end myeloma, you guys also have that as a hashtag. And I know this is conducted also um, during the Awareness Month. Have you seen any sort of traction at all uh, through Twitter with that, tra- with that hashtag?
1: You know to be perfectly honest, I can't really speak to that. I have personally not managed that part of it so I, I couldn't tell you I'm sorry
0: okay that's fine I thought that was a really smart idea <laughs> um, something that I hadn't you know thought of previously um, but especially if, if it's during a, an awareness month, I think there's a great way to capitalize on on uh, any discussions that are happening on social media um, the, the last You know, question that I really wanted to sort of dive into was, you you guys, uh, a lot of the content on your website, at least that I've seen, has been very much, you know, articles and explanatory, you know, fundraising ideas. But you've now had to sort of go a little bit into the video medium, um, you know, sharing the the why it is that you're doing this this CauseVox campaign. Um, Have you done video in the past, and uh, are you going to be doing more of that in the future? now that people, you know, this is the primary way I at least discovered what this was about.
1: Wow, that's great. So, um, yes, we will be doing more of it in the future, and we've done videos only very rarely in the past. This is, um, I guess, my my thought, and again, I'm not an expert in any of this, so my kind of naive thought was that any video we produce has to be really high end, and is going to, therefore, cost a lot of money, and being that we're always trying to keep our overhead so low and really focused on the bottom dollar that has been kind of, um, eliminated in my mind as a tool because of worrying about cost. And, and I don't have the skills to put it together myself. And what I think we found with this campaign, both from our animated video and from a second video, which we created, um, and posted on Facebook, you know, people love watching videos. They're easy to get a message across. It's, it's, you know, people don't want to read a whole big page of, of, uh, Text, but they don't mind listening to two minutes of that spoken to them via a video, and uh, so it's a great method to get um, to to get pe- let people know about uh, about our cause. And the animated video, we were lucky enough to have someone donate their services to put that together for us, and we worked really hard to create the script. And like I mentioned before, used some of the CauseBox uh, blogging tools on some of the suggestions for how to put together that messaging. Um, And then the second video actually shocked me even more we uh, we asked one of the researchers who's conducting this research to just uh, using his computer a very low-tech, you know turn the turn the video on and record himself for one to two minutes explaining the research and why he felt it was important Um, and he did this in about he sent it back to me in about two hours and uh, two hours after I'd asked him for it and we posted it on Facebook and within I want to say within about 24 hours we had almost 600 views. Wow! And for us that was a, a huge number. Um, and then you know at, at this point I think we're about up to about 1,200 views of this video. And um, it cost us nothing. It co- as far as money it cost us almost nothing as far as time. And it it was uh, brought so much traction to the to our cause. I thought that was. Really inspiring to me in wanting us to do more with video because it is so. um, It is people love video so much, and it it can be a lot easier and cheaper than I thought.
0: That's that's incredible. I mean, that's. I think that's also a great discovery. Um, You know, you do sort sort of have two video platforms that are emerging now. Like one is uploading a video to Facebook um, that's hosted on Facebook, and one's on YouTube. And, you know, on YouTube, definitely, you know, seeing video responses, seeing comments, that's awesome. On Facebook, just also the shareability of those videos is incredible. And if people love a cause, they're willing to share those videos, so it just expands the reach even more. Um, and I mean, like we were talking earlier as well, the skepticism that some people have with putting on their credit card online or doing this whole new online fundraising thing, if they see someone who's human behind an initiative. Even, you know, with the video, you know, uh, recording a researcher or recording a, a donor of some kind, I think it just makes, it sets people's mind at ease a little bit, you know.
1: But, yes, it seems more personal and more real. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with that. Well, the, the last question I have here is, you know, you've had this uh, amazing journey, have learned a lot from doing this uh this fundraising campaign. I know you're still looking to to raise $200,000. I think you, you've raised an incredible amount so far. Um, but has there been anything that's, I guess, surprised you or something that if you were starting a campaign like this for the first time, you'd want to pass on to yourself?
1: Oh my gosh, so many things. Uh, because this was a first time for us. I think the biggest the biggest uh, thing I would want to tell my future self in doing this again would be um, to give myself more time uh, to, to work ahead of, ahead of our launch date. Um, in my mind, you know, I've planned – local events on sometime you know that have had 400 500 people attend them and to me that's a lot of work to plan an in-person local event you have to find donors and sponsors and all the logistics um, so to me this seemed like oh this will be so much easier and in many ways it is but it uh it does require a lot of legwork ahead of time and I think that I wasn't quite prepared for that and it was definitely doable but it was it would have been nice to have a little bit more lead time um, to do things like create a couple more videos to have to be able to release throughout the month to have um, because fundraisers ended up being such a big deal to maybe contact a half a dozen or a dozen people before the campaign launched and say hey we're going to be doing this is this something you'd be interested in getting a fundraising page going and have them ready to go the moment the campaign launched Um, things like having some promotional uh material ready and a a kind of a plan on how we were going to get the word out to the broader audience um you know what media outlets we were going to contact things like that having all of those things set up well in advance we and we were setting them up about the week before but uh but like well in advance um would have been would have been um excellent and then the only thing would have been I would have loved and we were not able to make this happen but I would have really loved to have a donor or a corporation um, have a match program or sponsor a day or something like that during the month campaign so that we could really kind of um, amp up things the excitement towards the cause that way.
0: Wow, those are all really great ideas and uh, for anyone listening I'll be sure to list those out as well in the accompanying blog post. But um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Sarah. For people that want to check out more, they can go to nmyeloma.org or mmore.org. Um, just as a, as a quick uh, question, is there a, a Twitter um, – what's the Twitter handle for, for your organization so people can also really check that out very quickly? Be more. Be more. Great. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. A lot of really invaluable advice – and I think sort of the beginning of um, a whole new strategy towards fundraising that I'm excited to see play out for, for your organization.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Sal. And if anyone has any questions or follow-up for me, I'm happy to answer them uh, offline. So my email address is sarah at more.org S-A-R-A-H, at M-M-O-R-E dot O-R-G.
0: Great. Thanks for coming on. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of of the Nonprofit and Charity Fundraising Podcast. Please take a second to rate this podcast in iTunes if you found it to be a helpful interview episode. And also feel free to tweet at me. Uh, My handle is at S.Brigman, S-B-R-I-G-G-M-A-N. I I love all the feedback that you guys give and uh, also questions. I'm happy to answer those as well. If you'd like the show notes for this episode, just go to crowdcrux.com slash podcast and find it there among uh, several of our other podcasts. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next interview episode.